0: This is the Morning Brief from the Economic
1: Times. Hello, everyone. Every once in a while, we take a break from the hurricane we call the news cycle. Take a deep breath, clear our glasses, and then chat up with a founder or a friend who inspires us all. So I'm really excited to welcome my pal, founder of eyewear brand lenscard.com, and unicorn builder who sees things very, very clearly, quite literally. He's also a doting dad, a loving brother, and one of our homegrown sharks from Shark Tank, who takes mentoring very seriously. After all, he himself has built a 12-year-old company that is now worth almost $5 billion. Woo! Is being backed by the likes of KKR, Temasek, SoftBank, and TPG2. Now valuations after a point are meaningless. Even in pandemic, despite a flat revenue in FY21, the company had actually increased its annual profits by nearly 4.6 times. No mean feat. It's Tuesday, 17th of May. From the Economic Times, I'm Aarijit Barman. You're listening to Piyush Bansal through the looking glass on The Morning Brief. Piyush, good morning welcome to the show
0: hi Arjit. thank you for having me here and uh, thanks for the great
1: introduction <laughs> no i mean every bit of it and i want to start by asking you know how do you stay cool you know yesterday when i visited you in your house it's a lovely lovely house you obviously have had a busy weekend you had a birthday your son's second birthday. You had other, other family commitments. You were chatting with me. You had other phone calls. You are a mentor uh, to many. There were so many things going on in your life parallelly, yet you kept cool. How do you do that? How does Piyush
0: Bansal stay cool? Yeah, so over the years, you just get used to it, Hariji. I think... Uh, I wasn't always cool, uh, I would say. I had this thing in my college when I initially went, you know, the first year was so difficult with so much work pressure, uh, assignments all over, engineering was very tough in my college and we barely used to sleep four hours. I always used to be stressed out. And by the second, third year, it got better and I could manage and I think a similar thing has happened in, at work also now that, you know, you know that all these things are going to keep coming at you. And uh, this is literally what you just described in my view is not even an iota of the kind of stuff uh, that can, you know, come your way in a day, you know, from, you know, we have thousand stores, what could be happening in each one of those stores, some, you know, We have a factory with a thousand people, you know, you get used to it. You get used to it to be patient, stay cool and move on with the hope that everything will be fine. You know, they say that movie, right? All is well. (laughs) You kind (laughs) of subconsciously uh, adopt that, you know, mindset that all will be fine. And that positive, positivity is important.
1: And as you said in your blog post or LinkedIn post some years back, it's okay. To be discontent, it's okay to be not okay. So that's important because a lot of people sometimes get too much bogged in by that. That you know, they're just not happy. I mean, but you're, you you actually said that's fine. I mean, you know, being discontent has not changed in you. You're still you still think there is a long way to go, and it's been ten years. Um, so it's others feel the same, it's fine. It's okay to be discontent. Yes.
0: Actually, you make a very valid point. Uh, there are always two perspectives of looking at things. Uh, you know, you could, and I've seen this over and over again, that, you know, when we fail or uh, when things are not going right or the whole feeling of being discontent, you can take it negatively and say, oh, everything is wrong in life and I'm not happy and uh, I'm not satisfied. Or you can take that as a positive feeling is think that this is how it is supposed to be. And I've seen this over and over again. I was recently in Singapore and one of our stores. And, you know, let is known for having very, you know, uh, you know, medium-sized stores. We don't have massively large stores. And I visited at the store manager for the first time in my life. You know, she told me, um, you know, welcome, sir, we are small but quite cozy. And it stuck to my head, right? It's like, you can look at this, you know, and I've always visited stores and people have come and told me, you know, they, they look at that as a downside. Even when they're projecting it to customers, look, we are a small store, but the other people have a larger store. Whereas this person took it a different way. So I think it's all about perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really think that all these feelings... And I have so many people who join Lenscard and in the first two, three months, they'll say, I don't think I'm performing as much. And, you know, uh, this is, I was a rock star in my previous organization. Here, things are a lot more fast-paced. And I tell them that you are just being discontent because you're putting you out of your comfort zone and it's fine to be discontent, right?
1: (laughs) That's true. But would you say, looking back, that you've actually found content within your discontent, and that's also got to do with being a parent now. That completely takes the equation on its head.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I would say so. You know, I have definitely found content in being discontent. I have found con- you know content in a lot of things. <laughs> 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 Overall. <laughs> in being able to sleep non-stop for three hours yes Yes. (laughs) you know we have seen the worst phase in COVID and I do believe and sometimes I just feel that the world and people should have a little bit more gratitude we are even having this conversation right now to the fact that we can go back to office to the fact that we can hold a birthday party but Yeah, I have found that in a lot of these things, which earlier, at least to me, and I know a lot of people, I have to remind them that, you know, people just don't realize. They, you know, you quickly go back to the old way of being, but we can. I can never go back to the old way of being.
1: Mm -hmm. And how does that translate when you put on your
0: entrepreneurial hat? See, one of the things that you know I have become very, very. Sure about, and which was always, you know, there are all these entrepreneurs that are out there, uh, all these companies which are doing phenomenal work. And people always used to ask me, What's next for Lenskart?" And even in my personal life, right? it A lot of entrepreneurs I know, I, I know a lot of them. Some want to continue the hard work for years, some want to now calm down, some want to take a break, some want to take a sabbatical. Even in my own loved ones, a lot of people feel that, you know, now life should be different from what it used to be. Now that Let's Card is a larger company. And there have been discussions about should we really think bigger, should we think global? And you know, why why touch a stable ship kind of thing, right? And all these conversations. And so for me, entrepreneurially, you know, I've become very, very sure about the purpose of my existence, right? Uh, And it may sound a little bit, you know, most of the people who I speak to about think of me that, you know, maybe he's just (laughs) abnormal. (laughs) But, I found purpose that the, the work that I'm doing, I've I've got the opportunity to do at Lenskart, I really feel is the purpose of my life. Right, right. Entrepreneurially, right? And it's, not about business it's not about whether this is the right money making opportunity it's literally about the impact that we want to create in lives of people through vision correction i think for the last 10 years i would say lenskart was a baby a mission a business but now it's it's literally a mission right for me
1: now you touch upon a very interesting point because I remember even in our our past conversations, you've talked about, you've used the word vision correction. Whereas most people from the outside looking in would say, ah, Lenskart, sexy frames, retail. But you're actually talking about retail plus, plus, you know, quite a number of things. You're actually talking about, as you said, vision correction. If you could
0: elaborate on that. see, you know, what does a pair of spectacles do? You know the there are many health ailments, and there are many health ailments when it comes to the vision also. But one of the biggest ones and the most basic ones is the ability to see properly. and 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 in that also, if you think about it, a pair of spectacles can solve a very, very big problem, especially for the young, upcoming, the future of the world, right? So if I look at all the kids, if I look at all the youth, you know, they have to go work every day. They have to work on computers every day. They have to go to school and learn. And for that, the most easy problem and the biggest problem is getting a vision correction which can be solved literally by a pair of spectacles. And you'll be surprised to know that what percentage of people and kids today go to school and they cannot see properly, and how that hampers their learning. You know, what percentage of people are today driving all these cabs or rides home, delivering food, and what percentage of them can't see properly? And all it takes is a pair of spectacles. So, you know, it is, in some ways, it is more plus-plus, but in some ways, it's literally as simple as getting a pair of spectacles. Now, you may have got it because... It is cool and fashionable, but you are also solving the other problem. It's like I buy shoes not to, you know, protect my feet from the hot surface, but I am actually doing that also. But the problem is that when I tell you to buy those to protect your feet, you just you don't want to do it. And that's the problem with eyewear, right? I We feel, I feel that, you know, one of the reasons why so many people, despite eyewear becoming more and more affordable over the years, still don't wear it is because it is not sexy.
1: But tell me, Piyush, you run a company which has external investors. Very soon, I'm sure you will, or you're thinking of IPO, widening the pool of investors. In such a scenario, how does one balance the social aspect of you know, what you said, fixing the vision of the country versus top line, bottom line, you know, 100 stores in one year, five stores in Singapore, after Singapore, Malaysia, then New York, then London. It's, it's almost like being on a treadmill. So how do you balance both and where do you or can
0: you really tell your investors, boss, back off? I believe that some of the largest companies in the world were created for a purpose. Today, most of the investors, you know, with all the wealth that they manage, they also want to make sure that their money used to, you know, to create a better tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? While it needs to create returns, it needs to create a better tomorrow. And I've seen this across at least all our portfolio. And the reality is that. When you are working to create a better tomorrow and if you're doing things, you know, with the right, you know, mindset, with the right purpose and you can, you know, and the fact that you want to make it a sustainable tomorrow, you want to make sure that your solution for a better tomorrow is also sustainable, it kind of leads to the same, right? And, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, our lives have become so much better with Google Maps. But Google Maps may not have started with the hat of, okay, this is the IRR I need to generate from Google Maps. It started with the purpose of allowing people to live a better life. But in the end, it ended up being the good business case also. True. So I don't see a lot of misalignment there. Yes. If there is a point or if there is a topic where we feel this is not aligning to the purpose of why we exist, you know, I can always push back to our investors and they have been quite cooperative. So far, I think we've not had those instances, uh, but, you know, things would happen and I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I think we, all of our investors, including, you know, the top team, they're quite aligned to the purpose of why let Card exists, right? And which is why we have all had opportunity to do so many other things. Correct. And we have chosen not to.
1: And you've got the full stacks. You've got early VC funds. Then as you grew larger, you had from, you know, the TPGs of the world. And then now you've got KKR, who once were called the barbarians at the gates. It's a very different era, very different context. But what I'm trying to say is you now have in your cap table big boys who the world believes only cares about IRRs and nothing else.
0: I would tend to disagree. I think uh, I think a lot of it lies of the entrepreneur, right? right? It is. And this is, again goes back to that, you know, the conversation we had about being content with discontent. Over the years, one of the other that I have come to, you know, accepting and also I'm quite positive that most of the things that we complain about with others are actually our own internal barriers, right? I think a lot is about communication. A lot is about the entrepreneur on how you set expectations. A lot is about how you communicate and articulate, right? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think I would not put a judgment out there on any of the investors. I think companies become what they do because of the team that runs them and because of the entrepreneurs that set the vision and the the world follows. Correct. Uh, Right? So… Yeah, I have not had issues. I think we have been very clear. If you are clear, the world is clear. If you are confused, then you are bound to gonna get, you know, multiple people running their own purposes and visions from this company. It's all about a clear vision. Yes, of the
1: yeah, entrepreneur. Of the entrepreneur, of course. But I want to also ask you about the brass tacks, which is tech is sexy, tech is very cool. But it also boils down to manufacturing and delivery on time, logistics, etc., which is the basic foundation of keeping customers happy and successful, right? How are you focusing
0: on that? So yeah, I think one of the core reasons why, you know, we have the deficit in eyewear wearers is the fact that there's literally very, very complex supply chain when it comes to the frames and the lenses and all of them coming together and converting into a pair of specs, which is a unique product for every customer. So it's not like car manufacturing, right? Where I manufacture 10,000 Maruti and they're sitting in my warehouse. And as orders come and I will park them in different hubs and spokes and, dip, and, and the same would go in an Amazon. Whereas an eBay, right, after your order comes is when the world starts because you have three products, a frame, which is similar to a car where I can pre-manufacture. But then you have a left power and a right power, which is all very complex and unique to you and a fit and your centers. And, and to do all of that fast enough and to do it consistently has been the challenge. And that is why you see only limited opticians to the number of mobile shops uh, relatively uh, in the country. So the idea to solve this is through technology through automation, through robotics. Uh, so far, we have adopted the root of what, you know, in uh, Tesla, they call the giga factories or the, you know. <laughs> so, you know, because, you know, there is so much automation and so much innovation and so much to be learned, you know, we don't want to offer like hundreds of these. Plus, we are now, right now, building this mega unit which won't be able to deliver 50 million specs a year. Wow. And I, it is the largest in the world. It is the most automated in the world. I am not saying that just because it is largest and automated, it will be effective. But we are putting the bets and we, we are working towards making sure that through this, we'll be able to create enough supply, faster deliveries, and higher quality and more reliable deliveries.
1: And 50 million specs you can manufacture. And this is coming up in NCR,
0: where you it's are based? up in uh, Biwadi, Rajasthan. In the mm-hmm. It's just around the corners. We intend to start in the next three months. It's, it's huge for us. We are putting a lot of uh, love, a lot of energy, a lot of hope, a lot of investment in creating this. Because we do feel this is in some ways... You know, it's going the reliance way, you know, I call it. When we at Lenskart, we pick up learnings, uh, rightfully so, from all great companies that have been built in India. It's investing in the core, right? Because we feel that if we want to literally have half of India wear Lenskart spectacles, then we need to have the supply to do so. So we have literally sort of accepted and that that is going to happen. So we are not waiting for that to happen for us to create the supply. We're creating the supply. It's like laying the optic fiber, enough optic fiber to know that we're going to, you know, run the telecom network kind of thing. And which are these inspirational companies
1: in India that have truly inspired you? Asian Pains. Wow. Okay. Two completely different, you know, different companies, very different spectrums, different sectors.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I've always taken inspirations from companies, you know, reliance on the fact that they invest in the core, you know, and and think very long-term with a very strong belief. Asian pains from the perspective on how just keeping it, you know, investing in, you know, really, really basics of customer needs around supply chain. How you can pretty much own and impact fifty percent of the market, and Maruti, right? And in India has done a phenomenal, equally phenomenal job with distribution access for years now. You know, I think over a decade they've owned fifty percent market share in India. And literally, the way I would say is more than fifty percent. It's the reason why half of India has a four wheeler today, and that's some impact, right? And with so much innovation that has happened over the years, and choices changing, and Another of my favorite ones is Indigo Airlines, where just by solving the simple problem of taking you from point A to point B on time, consistently, they could create an airline which would allow people to go from point A to point B at the lowest cost possible and with the best customer service possible.
1: Correct. Now, you're doing so much managing home, a business that is growing, exponentially I mean it's it's tougher to say who's growing faster your son or the company because he's really getting taller and taller by the day uh, I also have to ask you how did you then manage to get time to do Shark Tank I mean oh. do you have what
0: 26 hours in a day so Shark Tank happened more out of passion I would say you know I've okay. literally seen that show maybe 40, 40 times almost all seasons it's like every time I would turn on my TV and I would automatically gravitate towards after 10 minutes of browsing what I should watch to watching the same season of Shark Tank which I've seen again it was interesting this is not now I've watched Shark Tank for you know since the beginning and it has also inspired me I've always guessed seen who would invest, who would not invest, and look at these companies, looking at kind of ideas, from really early days. So I think when the, when the opportunity came, and initially I was like, well, oh, I don't have the time to do this, right? And, but then my wife and my co-founder, Amit, you know, they have literally seen me watch Shark Tank being obsessed about. it. <laughs> so they're like, how can you say no to this, right? And, uh, and, and that's how it literally happened. That, okay, if you really feel so, then I'll do it. And yeah, and then just went with the flow. You know, you manage things when you don't have a choice and you learn how to manage both. And yeah, it was a phenomenal experience, you know, in terms of my horizon of the kind of talent that is getting developed in India, the kind of entrepreneurs are doing the pace at which they're doing and the resources, the limited resources that they're doing with is completely transformed. And it has transformed my thinking. And literally, you know, when I'm running Lenskart today, you know, my benchmarks have changed because if my uh, young energetic team comes and tells me, I want to do this and I need a million dollars to do this and I will take a year, I can go back and tell them, boss, This company did it in $100,000 and in three months. (laughs) Mm -hmm. True. And and all those problems. So, you know, and my knowledge of fashion, my knowledge of the kind of aspirations people are developing has changed. You know, there are companies that have come in. Literally, you know, I was inspired that there's street culture. And for us, it's important at Lenskart because, you know, uh, we want to give glasses to the youth. And if street culture is what is coming in into India, and I want them to wear glasses and in, in turn also solve their vision correction, then I want to have a street culture range at eyewear. So, yeah, it's been, I would say it's been phenomenal learning.
1: But that doesn't mean that you will diversify and get into street
0: culture fashion yourself. No, but I may adopt the street culture knowledge in eyewear. <laughs> un- understood. But you've, you know,
1: which are those one or two. Innovators, entrepreneurs who came to the show, and you personally were just blown apart. We were like, "Wow,
0: yar, ye to kamal ho gaya." So you know, if I look at my own journey and I I reflected on it at various stages during the Shark Tank process, was I didn't know ten percent of what I know today, Mm -hmm. and Lenskart wasn't even 10% doing the things that it is doing today. So did see it genuinely boiled down to the team, to the co-founding team, right? And how they are thinking and are they open to, do they believe that, that the world is changing and it's going to change faster and faster? And do they have the appetite and the mindset to stay humble and learn and grow and change and adopt and, and that's what I was looking for in almost all of our investments. Maybe some I got carried away with the idea, but I would say 90%, it was literally that. And and, and that's how I chose. So the bet was always on the entrepreneur. And of course, the idea is secondary. But the ones that, you know, there was this fragrance company called Isak, the pitch that we saw, and the entrepreneur had a had literally, you know, that humility. She's running it all by herself. Her passion for fragrances, you could see it in the conversation. She was positive. She's a mother of a child and, you know, still so hungry. And I I remember that if I looked at it from a business perspective, every shark rejected that deal. But I bet it, and it has been one of my best investments. The way the business is growing the consumers love the product. It is almost my favorite gift. Now, to whoever comes and whoever I want a gift. And they all come back saying that, wow, this is literally so amazing, so refreshing, the fragrances. And she's a rock star. Yeah, I did <laughs> <laughs> out of that. Next time,
1: next time. <laughs> no,
0: I, I, and also, but what but jo Mila, that was equally interesting, that's Skippy. Yeah. Yeah, the other one, which I was actually not in the pitch, but I invested later, in is this uh, gentleman called Ravi from Skippy. These are the ice pops, right? Yeah. And, you know, it was amazing to see somebody so passionate about ice popsicles, right? And it is unorganized. We all loved it at school. You can't get it. It was always like a non-branded product. You used, to call, what... used yes. to call it chooski. We used to call it chuski. We didn't even know what we were taking in and this guy is like making it all non-artificial flavors. You know, when we invested in him, he was literally probably doing 10, 20 lakhs a month in sale. Today he's crossed over two and a half crores in sale a month. Ooh. Right. And uh, yeah, but it is all the entrepreneurs. I have a firm belief that passionate, humble entrepreneurs who are, Who really want to make an impact, who are really passionate, are the ones who will change the game.
1: Last question for you and something that you've been saying a lot throughout this show is that entrepreneur and humble entrepreneur. This is important because honestly, what I see and I see a lot of it these days, it's a little disappointing if you ask me, is... Young entrepreneurs creating this God complex. Boss, I'm an unicorn. I have arrived in life. And that is the beginning of the end of this God complex phenomenon.
0: Would you agree? See, firstly, I do want to state that a lot of this is just judgment on the entrepreneurs sitting from outside, right? You, you know, entrepreneurs are, you know, all glory. And, you know, one of my mentors is Ronnie and he always says all glory is fleeting. And I have over the years pretty much accepted that. That, you know, when you are in that limelight, you are judged a lot. So I won't really know enough to say whether there's a God syndrome there or not. But I do feel that entrepreneurs by the DNA, you know, have to learn and grow. They have to fail and learn and grow, right? So even if there is any syndrome, you know, I'm pretty sure the entrepreneurs, the great entrepreneurs would come out of it, right? And that's the part of our journey. We all, none of us are perfect. We all have bigger dreams. Uh, We all want to change the world. We all want to build a customer-backward business. And in that journey, we fall into traps, right? And the best way to... Come out of that trap is to stay honest, to stay positive, and we learn and grow. Right? We all make mistakes, but be discontent. That's not a bad thing. Oh, always, always. It's it's the one of the best things. You can't be in the comfort zone, right? Yes, absolutely.
1: Perfect. I know you have tons to do, including extensive workout. All the best. Best wishes to Team Lenskart, and of course to you. I'm sure we're going to have more of you on the show. Thanks. Once again, deeply appreciate
0: you taking time out. Thanks, Ajit, for having me here. And uh, wish you a great week ahead.
1: You may argue I sounded like a fanboy. But what I actually like most about Piyush is his focus on the basics. He actually visits plants of much larger companies to learn and get inspired. The other most important takeaway, his funda in life and to his fellow founders. Be discontent, but don't play God. I'm Aarijit Barman and you've been listening to Piyush Bansal through the looking glass on the Morning Brief. This episode was produced by Nehal Chaliawala from ET and Soundarya Jachandran from Awas, Sound editors, Injuneel Bhattacharji from ET and Swati Joshi from AWAS. Executive producer, yours truly. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you liked, please share on your social media handles. We'll really appreciate that. The morning brief drops every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Friday. Thank you for listening and have a nice day. Goodbye and good luck. All sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description.